Welcome to this episode of Liberate Her. Here's where you can hear stories of different women to help you break free from limitations and take you to the next level in your life. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you all know that we will be on spring break for the month of April. I have some amazing things in store for Liberate Her coming up, as well as for myself. Be sure to subscribe to jasminebenson.com to stay connected and up to date. You can also let me know what type of topic you would like to hear more about through the contact page on my site. You can also purchase my ebook, The Single Wife, there on the site. If you are like me and look forward to being married one day, it is vital that we learn the principles of the role of a wife while we are single. Proverbs 18.22 says, He that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. This book will help you walk as a wife now to be found as a wife later. These past couple of months with you all have been amazing. I pray that you heard a story that inspired you, motivated you, and brought you closer to your purpose in God and in life. Thank you to my followers, the subscribers, and the reviewers, such as S. Winfrey, Black History Maker, A.Walker97, and Nay on the Brink. Your honest reviews are seen and definitely valued. So let's go ahead and get into this episode. You're going to hear from Joy Senegar Munoz. She is a credit specialist and a mortgage banker. She's going to share some great information on credit and credit building. Take a listen. All right, welcome back to this episode of Liberate Her Podcast. I have with me Joy Senegar. She is going to give us some tips and some insight on how to build our credit. How are you today, Joy? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Um, I think this is a a really, I don't want to say a hot topic, but I think more people are beginning to um, really dig into their credit and pay attention to their credit. So I, sure. um, I think it's great that you uh, made some time for me to kind of help the people out. Anytime. <laughs> All right. So tell us a little bit about um, where you're from and um, a little bit about your school background. Okay. Well, I am from Joliet, Illinois. Came here to Chicago. Um, I went to Lewis University and concentrated in um, basically computer information systems. But when the real estate market was booming, I just basically said, you know what, it's best to just jump in and get my feet wet. And 15 years later, I haven't looked back. Credit and finance has been my life for the past 15 years. So it wasn't any real rhyme or reason. It's just that's how the wave was going. And I just caught on for the ride. Wow, that's awesome. So did you ever have a job in, um, did you say computer science? Nope, did not. (laughs) <laughs> not not one day in my field. Um, I realized how passionate I was about credit and just credit education and helping people become more financially secure that I realized that that was my mission all along, that that's where I should have started. Wow. So I just, that's how fate pushed me in that direction. How did you begin? Like, where did you start? You started with real estate first or you got interested in credit first? How did that journey look for you? Um, actually, I took my real estate agent exam, passed it, and then I 
went to work for an agency. I can't even remember who it was back then, but I realized that a lot of the people that were uh, coming to look at homes weren't properly qualified. Mm-hmm. And generally when you're shopping, you should be pre-qualified, have talked to a lender and uh, be ready to purchase. But what I was finding is that, number one, their loan officer didn't explain properly the terms of their loans. Um, a lot of them got into really bad situations where the interest rate was variable or it was a balloon payment. So I just, I kind of felt compelled to become more educated myself. So then I took the real estate mortgage lender certification course for Illinois. And once I did that, I realized that I probably was better suited for the lending piece instead of the selling piece. Ah, that's where you felt the greatest um, impact. Correct. So you said a balloon payment. Mm -hmm. Explain to us what that is. Yeah, balloon payment is basically, I guess you could look at it as an open-ended loan. So you may have seven years to pay it off and you are required to pay very small payments for that seven years, might be interest only. But at the end of the seven years, the full amount is due. So it's not a closed end mortgage where like it's for 10 years and once you're done on year 10, it's done. Um, This is something that you pay interest on. And then if it's not totally paid off, the principal is not totally paid off, the full balance becomes due immediately. Wow. And a lot of people have lost their homes because they thought that it was something that maybe was extended or could be easily extended. But most times you have to refinance to get out of that type of loan. Wow. So that's, pre- that's pretty much what, uh, what made you just want to start helping people. You saw them. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a bad spot to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding credit. You know, there are, there are many credit companies um, and even individuals that claim that they can help, you know, fix credit quickly. How valid mm-hmm. is that? It depends. I mean, there's people who, you know, like when I say average person, a person that doesn't really have a background in this, they can write letters on your behalf, possibly make some phone calls, but really they have obligations which would inhibit them from really staying on top of those creditors you're trying to dispute. So I would say in cases like that, it's probably like a 10 to 15% chance that you'd actually see some real results. Um, If you use a company, um, a company that has had a track record and there's actual testimonials and they have more than one person that's um, dealing with your file, then the success rate is a lot higher. It's just that with credit repair, the main thing is consistency and you have to constantly send in letters. You have to constantly make phone calls. You need someone who's able to do that on a regular basis. But if it's an individual without a company, without the support tools, um, that you need to do something like that, then I can't see how they'd be successful. Yeah. I get so, well, I don't want to say worried, but I guess concerned when I see, um, you know, the pop-up credit repair companies mm-hmm. or, you know, individuals who um, lure innocent or vulnerable people in. Um, and I just can't imagine how much money, you know, people are paying out, but they're not really seeing, mm-hmm. seeing results. Yeah, well, well, luring is, I mean, that's the correct word for it because um, I've seen situations where 
people have paid an individual. We're talking a person that probably has not been doing this very long, Mm -hmm. has paid an individual anywhere from like $1,000 to $3,000 just to fix their credit. And they really didn't have that much on there to begin with. So, you know, there are some people out there that take advantage of people in very desperate situations. And, you know, sometimes people are willing to pay just because they think that there's some proven result. But that's why you have to do homework. If they don't have a track uh, record, if they don't have any ratings, if they're not a, a better business bureau, if they're not listed there, then you probably should stay away in that instance. Yeah, that's good. What are... Uh, pros and cons of, say, if you have multiple credit cards, um, what are the pros and cons of settling with a debt settlement company? You know, are you kind of consolidate to um, to one interest loan, one interest rate, one payment a month, but you have multiple credit cards. You know, as a person that experienced that firsthand, um, I dealt with this when I was coming out of school and you know how they just kind of throw credit cards at you when you're, you know, so yeah, I wasn't responsible with them. And, um, I decided to use a debt consolidation agency, which is what I think you're referring to. And they said, Oh yeah, you know, we'll consolidate your payments into one. You just pay us this one payment. And then we allocate it to the different creditors. Well, the thing about that is there are fees involved. So let's say your payment that you're sending them is $200 a month. Their fee may be $50 a month. And then 150 goes amongst your five or eight creditors. And when you do the math, it's really, you're barely making the minimum payment. Wow. So for people within that sort of situation, I always tell them that your chances are better doing direct negotiations with the creditor. That way you can look at possibly lowering your interest rate. They could possibly put the card on hold so that it's not reporting to the credit bureau in a negative way. Um, There's many things that they can do, but you just need to communicate directly with the creditor. And I think you would see better results, more more so than um, the debt consolidation companies. I saw a young lady mention on Facebook that it's possible to have student loans also like removed temporarily. Is that the same thing that you mentioned about putting cards on hold where they're, they're just not reporting? How about um, No, I mean, so like Discover, for instance, Discover credit card has something in which um, if you're going through a tough time, you could just let them know and they won't report any negative payment history, nor will they require a payment for a fixed amount of time until you get things under control. Um, it's something that you can inquire about and Discover offers it. Some cards through Capital One offer it. Um, it's just something to freeze your account. And while you're figuring things out, they don't report anything. They report no negative payments on your credit history. Really? But student loans will show. That's one thing, like, you know, if you fall behind with student loans, that's one thing. Unless they're erroneous, they will always report. How does a credit score affect the ability to qualify for, let's do a FHA loan Mm -hmm. or a conventional loan? Talk about those a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, FHA loans are, you know, they're a little more lenient when it comes to credit. So you'll see that FHA lenders will accept lower scores. Some will go as low as 500. I've seen 580, but ideally 640 is a good score. Um, it, it So no matter what your score is, whether it's 640, 700, 800, with FHA, your interest rate is going to be about the same. So that's what makes it attractive because people that don't have perfect credit, they're not being penalized by taking a higher interest rate. With conventional, on the other hand, it's definitely credit score driven. So if your score is not, you know, 680 or 700 or better, you may run into situations where you'll take a higher interest rate to offset the risk. Yeah. What are the best ways for consistent credit increase? Like, is it possible to raise a score in six months by, let's say, 100 points? Yeah, I think that if it's identified what's causing the score to be low to begin with, that's more than enough time to reverse poor credit. Mm-hmm. If you're a person that has a high debt utilization, so if you have credit limits and you owe more than 30% of your credit limits, if you pay those down, you will see a drastic improvement within 30 days. And I mean, that's literally just paying your, your balances down. Yeah. Um, Getting erroneous items deleted from your credit, that could increase your score up by 50, you know, 50 points, depending on what it is. It's just really having someone who knows what they're looking for to take a look at your credit and, and let you know how the score is driven. Because everyone's score is, is driven differently. Mm. So what are, what are some ways that the scores are, are driven? What are some common factors? Credit cards, loans? Yeah, credit cards, uh, definitely, if you're, like, if you're revolving debts owed are very close to the limit, you're always going to have some issues with your credit score. Another thing that impacts the score is if you don't have a healthy mix of credit. So that would include, you know, revolving debt, which would include credit cards. You need installment debt, which would be car loans, mortgages, student loans, um, some open-ended debt like store cards, things like that. You have to have a healthy mix. If you're debt load is mostly in credit cards, then your risk factors are higher because you cannot, um, you haven't shown a history of how you repay with a secured debt, like an installment loan, car loan, mortgage, or something around that way. But it, it just depends because some people I know all they have are credit cards, but because they use them so well, their scores in the 700s or above. You just have to responsibly use whatever credit you have. Wow. That's so interesting. I always was taught, like, stay away from store credit cards. They ruin They can. I mean, if it's a situation where you get six months, no interest, you know, like the furniture stores, mm-hmm. and you can commit to pay it off within that time frame, then it's definitely worth it. But if you're someone who, because the rates are high, like Sears, any of the uh, Macy's, all of those cars have very high interest rates. So unless you plan on paying it off within 30 days, you really shouldn't be using store cards for any long-term debt unless it's 0% interest for a fixed amount of time. Okay. So how smart is it to 
um, you know, have credit cards open that you don't use. For instance, if someone is trying to increase their score and they may have, you know, two cards already, they decide mm-hmm. to open a third but not use it. How is that beneficial at all or does it do the opposite? It can do the opposite for someone who needs to build credit because your credit score is based on the way that you treat your credit on a monthly basis. So if you're going to open up a card and you really don't have a use for it, then I would advise against it. If, if you're trying to build credit, I would say use an installment loan or a loan that's based just for the purpose of credit building to increase that score. That way there's regular monthly payments being reported to the credit bureau. Got it. That makes total sense. Um, so talk a little bit more, more, talk more about that, um, the loan specifically for credit building. How would one, um, you know, go about that? Would you recommend going through a bank or actually going through the credit company? I believe that it's best to go through a bank because they may have more specialized products that aren't as stringent when it comes to credit history. There is a bank, uh, First Midwest Bank offers a program called the Believer Loan. Mm-hmm. And the way it works is that it you set an amount, it has to be at least $1,000. And let's say you want $2,000 over the course of two years. What they do is the bank will take $2,000 and put it into an interest-bearing certificate of deposit. So it's earning interest. And you begin making payments. So whatever it is over a period of 24 months, you make payments. And from payment number one, they report to the credit bureau. So every month you make a payment, it looks like you have a CD secure loan being reported. Wow. And then at the end of that two-year term, you receive access to the certificate of deposit plus interest that you've earned over the two years. Wow. So not only do you help your credit score, but it's almost also like an an investment. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I always encourage people to go that route because it's really no obligation. Like you're not having to put any upfront money. If you stop paying, of course, it'll affect your credit. But when the stake is, that's your money, you kind of have more of an incentive to to pay on time. Mm. So that's what makes it more successful is that people sort of feel vested in it. Yeah. And they're willing to pay because they know at the end of those payments, that's their money. Wow. That is a good nugget. I'm actually going to mm-hmm. look into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are some habits that we may not realize affect our credit? Like maybe, I don't want to say daily things, but just bad habits that could you know, hurt us in the long run? What are some things that we tend to ignore? I think that people tend to use their credit cards unlike their debit cards. So if you have credit, I encourage using it, but I think people feel that credit cards should be used for for things you can't afford, which is not the case. You use your credit card as a convenience, but you should never charge anything that you don't have in your account to buy yourself. 
Mm. And that, I mean, that's just common sense for most people. But a lot of people think that when you get a credit card, that's supposed to help you get things that you couldn't otherwise afford. Well, just because you got it on credit doesn't mean that you could afford it. Because now you still have to pay this back. And depending on how your budget is, you may never be in a position to pay that off. So I think if people kind of kicked out that idea, that would be one less habit that they have that, that ruins their credit. Yeah. Um, the other thing is co-signing for people. Mm. Um, a lot of times, you know, of course you trust your mom, you trust your dad, you trust your cousin, you hope that they would never get in a position where they would affect your credit. But sometimes it's not that black and white. Sometimes they don't even know something will happen. Maybe they lose their job and then what? Are you going to step in and make the payments for them? A lot of people don't think about that. So those are just a couple things that I think that people, I guess, need to become more aware of and just stop in 2018, you know, definitely cut that out in order to get closer to, you know, financial freedom. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So this little segment, I want to play myth or fact with you. So I'll ask two or three questions and you say myth or fact, and then um, just dive into the question a little bit, okay? Okay. All right. So myth or fact, closing a paid credit card will help your score. Myth. Mm, why is that a myth? reason why that is, is because once a card is closed, it becomes useless to you in your credit report. That monthly Revolving debt being in the positive has a great impact on your score. And once it closes, it does absolutely nothing for you. Wow. So does it drop or just does it increase? It will drop. Yeah, you would see a drop in your score. Um, You know, if you've had a credit card for five years and you decide, oh, you know what? They made me mad. Let me just go ahead and cancel it. You've lost five years of on-time payments. Wow. And you're starting over. So I always encourage people, no matter what the situation is, to try to work it out, even if it's something like customer service issues. If you have a long relationship with this credit card company, try to work it out so that it doesn't affect your score. Wow. All right. Question two. Paying debt erases debt off of your score, myth or fact? Are we talking collections? Yes. Okay, that is a myth. Really? Yeah, actually paying it off solidifies it. <laughs> it, it certifies that you owe it. Um, I would never pay a collection that I think doesn't belong to me because once you pay it, the only thing that changes is the amount you owe. It will still show up as a collection. Wow which is still damaging to your credit in general. Still damaging, yeah. It's, it still will be in your history until you reach the seven or 10-year mark and then it falls off. But up until then, they will still see the negative score. Wow. So do, and this may be a silly question, but if something is in collections for seven years, does that fall off? Yeah, if if you look at the credit report and it gives you an idea of when it might fall off, let's say, you know, it'll say August 2018, it will fall off. Yes, it will fall off at that time. However, some creditors have gotten the idea of selling the collection to other 
collection agencies. And when they do that, it basically renews the debt again. Wow. So it could start fresh. If it, let's say you had this one for six and a half years and they know it's getting close to that, they could opt to sell it to another company. And when that company reports, the clock starts over. Wow. Myth or fact, checking your report will hurt your score. It depends on who checks it. If you're checking it yourself through, say, annualcreditreport.com or Credit Karma or Credit Sesame, it, it doesn't impact your score at all. But if you have a, uh, a bank, you know, some, a lender or uh, some third-party company, and they do a hard pull, it will definitely affect your score. Okay. And a hard pull, it would be like you said, for like maybe a mortgage or like a car loan. Mm-hmm. Mortgage, vehicle loan, credit cards. There are some companies that do soft pulls. Some credit card companies will do a soft pull, but majority of them do hard pulls on your credit. Okay. Um, and then the last myth or fact, credit karma is inaccurate. That's a fact. Really? Mm-hmm. The information there, as far as your accounts, it's probably accurate, but the score is not a true indicator of what your credit score is. Right. So you will see some differences between what you see on Credit Karma and then what a lender would pull. There's always differences. Mm. Got it. Is it that some things are hidden from Credit Karma or... Credit Karma does not have um, access to everything that, you know, may be on like the FICO report. I think it's the other way around. Like with, for I work for a bank. So the credit score that I see is very different than your consumer report because there might be things on your consumer report that I don't have access to, which is good and bad, depending. Mm. So let's say you had something on there 10 years ago, you would see it. But when I pull credit, I would not. That's good. That's good, especially if it was something negative. Right. So we've seen in instances where, you know, on Credit Karma, a person will think, oh, well, I'm not ready to move forward because Credit Karma says this, but then I'll put, pull credit and they'll be about 20 points higher because those are things I don't have access to. I am in your Facebook group, uh, the Credit mm-hmm. Warriors. Um, I, I love this group. There's so much knowledge within it. Tell us about... Um, you know, the the mission behind it and then how people can actually join that way they can, you know, um, get in contact with you or just have the resources that, that you're sharing. Okay. Well, yeah, it is Credit Warriors, Joy Senegar Credit Coaching Group. Uh, it's a place that I wanted to make available for people who were afraid to ask questions in a setting that's less formal You know, a lot of times people don't have family members they can ask. They don't really want to walk into a bank and ask these questions. This this gives people a way to get the knowledge without having to commit to anything. Because you can't just walk in anywhere and ask someone to give you information a lot of times without giving some of your personal info to get started. So that's why I developed this because I just feel like people want to ask but don't want to feel stupid for asking these questions and I tell you there's no stupid questions especially when it comes to your financial situation and I, I think people feel com- more comfortable on Facebook 
So we started maybe about three months ago and now we're grown to 800 members and we're continuously growing. Uh, You can find it in the groups and it's called Credit Warriors, Joy Senegar Credit Coaching. And it's a closed group. And I do that for a lot of reasons because I don't want, you know, people to be solicited Mm-hmm. from you know other groups or I don't want people people's feedback to be shared in other places where they may not feel the comfort of privacy so but I, I do investigate everyone that comes in I make sure it's a real page that it's not spam but uh come join us yeah you're more than welcome to join us I love that I think um yeah it, it can be intimidating even though you know it's your money but mm-hmm. um it can sometimes be intimidating when you have, you know, dozens of questions and you're really not sure where or who is even willing to to help you without wanting something out of you. I, I, so mm-hmm. I love I love the idea of this group. Okay, so the last question I ask this to all of my my guests. Um, the podcast is called Liberate Her. Mm-hmm. You know, breaking breaking the box off of women and their perspectives, um, you know, just teaching them things that they may not have access to, um, which is, you know, knowledge is a, is a, is a sense of freedom. Knowledge is, is liberty. So what would you say to liberate her? If you were talking to, you know, your sister or a woman in, in your chair at the bank, what would you say to liberate her financially? I would say that the most important thing is that you have control of your own financial situation. Do not allow someone else to tell you where you stand with your credit, where you stand financially. You, this is not like going to the doctor to find out what's wrong with you. This is something that you should know because there's so many resources out there that you have access to that you could look at and determine your financial situation and it's almost like going to the dentist. A lot of people put it off. Mm. You know, I don't want to check my credit because I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And then it gets worse. It progressively gets worse because you haven't done anything to change it. So make sure that you get in front of that and you do whatever the work is that needs to be done in order to put yourself in a better financial situation. Just be informed about your financial situation. Yeah, I think that's the best advice I could give. Yeah, that's good. Don't don't act like it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really good. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, I can't wait for, for everyone to hear it. You can find Joy's Facebook group by searching Credit Warriors Joy Senegar. That's S-I-N-E-G-A-R. And join to learn loads of information on best credit practices. Again, don't forget to subscribe to jasminevinson.com and stay connected. We will see you on May 14th. We are on spring break starting now. Mm -hmm.